Good morning again. Good morning. morning. A little different this morning. Uh, Usually we're up here, but uh, in light of some things that just where we are as a congregation, I felt led to speak with you and not preach to you. Um, Several weeks ago, I was scheduled to be in uh, Tanzania with brother and sister and uh, just on behalf of them, and, and that didn't work out. God had different plans, and so I ended up in Montana. While I was in Montana, just uh, sitting on a rock, regrouping and looking at things, looking at life as a pastor, looking at our church, looking at our community, I was encouraged to um, really do a self-evaluation. And so I did, and uh, it was a good time. I came back, and there was some things that were affirmed as um, apparently there, you know, some people have been questioning some things and a little bit of confusion, uh, needing a little clarity uh, from a different subjects. And so uh, it's just affirmation to me that it was time for us to postpone going into sin because if we don't clarify some things, as your pastor, there's, uh, there's sometimes those times where we just have to stop Uh, I'm not a CEO. This is not a business. This is the body of Christ. I'm your pastor, lead pastor here, and we just need to check in on some things. So we'll get back into sin, truth, sin, and authority, okay? So if you're a guest and you were ready to just jump right into the topic for the day, uh, please bear with me. Uh, This is some family time, and uh, so I'm going to ask that you would turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And be reading verses 1 through 16. And in this text, uh, in the letter to Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, Paul is addressing an issue where there are some who have questioned his doctrine of Gentiles being included. The body of Christ, there were some issues, and he, there was this call to unity between Gentiles and Jews. And so the first three chapters are about our doctrine as believers, Uh, then our position in Christ, if you will, first three chapters. And then in chapter 4 through 6, it's the putting it into practice. And so it is putting it into practice that we need to discuss today just a little bit. Uh, Don't don't worry. Uh, I'm not, uh, there's nothing. We just need to check in on some things, okay? Are we okay? We're good? All right. Let's stand in honor of God's Word. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Paul says the great word, therefore, based on first three chapters in discussion, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he has also Uh, that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. 
He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heaven, all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ." As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the blessing, the honor, the privilege, the gift of being able to serve you, to be in the body of Christ. It is not something we deserve. We do not deserve salvation. It is the free gift of God. Lord, when we are placed in the body of Christ, you not only save us from our sin, we need to understand that you save us from your wrath. For your wrath as a holy God will be poured out on an evil, corrupted, fallen, fallen world. And those who reject Christ, the only answer, the only hope for salvation. Thank you, O oh God, that you would be so gracious and kind to allow us to know you. For your revelation of who you are and what you've done through your word, it is only through the word of God that we know you. Help us to honor your word, help us to cherish your word, and help us to be very thankful, grateful for our salvation and being a part of the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, and your favor during this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Maybe may be seated, thank you. So right away, let me just express some things from the scripture. Verses one through six, one of the things that as Paul has highlighted, he's talked about this unity. He has talked about how the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles has been removed through Christ Jesus. And we are called to be a one people uh, kind of faith-believing body. We are, as he said in, in the first six verses, uh, this uh, manner uh, of life, this walk that we're called to, uh, we're to, to walk in such a way, as he says in verse 1, a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. God has given us an invitation, and he has called us out of our sin to be a part of his body. When we respond, uh, we take responsibility for that, and we have belief in Christ. He places us into his body. And verse 2, Paul is he's saying, with all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. In, in verse 2, these qualities, these characteristics of each individual in the body of Christ, 
we are to be what? Diligent to preserve the unity. This unity that he has talked about, he's called us to be diligent. We are to be at work. We are to be attentive to uh, those things that will enable us as the body of believers to remain united in spirit to be one people. Look at the one Look at the word one that is expressed in the following verses. There is one body, one spirit, just as also you were called in what? One hope of your calling. Our hope is in Christ. It is not in the here and now. We are asking Christ to give us perseverance. That we are looking toward what? The resurrection. We are looking to this eternal life in Christ. It awaits us. And in the meantime, we are to be diligent to preserve the unity in this body of believers, which means it's going to cost us something. There is a great cost with love. Uh, Many of us are after the feeling of love, but you don't have the feeling of love without knowing the cost of love. Love costs. And if you want to be a part of the body of Christ and you want to experience the love of Christ in the body, you must understand what love actually is. You must understand the love we're talking about is agape love, a a love that is sacrificial, a love that costs. Jesus demonstrated that. But we are uh, getting back to this. If we want to experience this in the body, we must be diligent because there's an enemy who would love to destroy the unity of the spirit in the body. And so, again, verse 4, 5, 6, this oneness, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. I want you to notice in verse 6, all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, as a part of the body of Christ, each individual is vitally important. Each individual is vitally important. When you see in the text, uh, there's this importance of all being in all of Christ and on and on. We see this all throughout the New Testament where the apostles would say, we are one in the body of Christ. Now, In verses 1 through 6, today what I need to highlight is verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity. And that's why we needed to make a change today. Because as we get over into verse 11, I want to continue with the text just briefly, where he says, and he gave some as apostles. In the body of Christ, we each have gifts. We each have a part that we play in the body of Christ in this oneness. Verse 11, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. That is how the foundation of the church was laid uh, through the apostles and the prophets, the word of God revealed to them. Uh, the only, only reason why we're here today is because of the word that was given to us through the apostles and the prophets. And he says in the church that there were some evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. The role for verse 11, those in verse 11, verse 12, we see it. For the equipping of the saints... My role as your pastor is to equip, be a part of helping equip saints to do what? The work of service. That each one of us are engaged in the work of service in the body of Christ. It means that not, there's not one person here today that is not included through faith in Christ. It's not included in this text from the standpoint that when you are in Christ, you're called to serve in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. 
for the work of, you are to be equipped so that you can engage in the work of the service. Now, what is the goal? The building up of the body of Christ. For how long? Until we all attain to what? Look in verse 13, to the unity of the faith. Uh, we're growing in our knowledge of the Son of God to what? A mature man. We begin to look more and more like Christ. Uh, we're called to be image bearers. Can we do that in our own strength? No way. In our flesh? No way. Even as born-again believers, we fail in this miserably many times. That's why we're thankful for grace. On this side of heaven, it's a continuous working. Yet we continue to strive to do so, even in the midst of our failings. But we are to continue engaging in the body of Christ as we are being built up as the body into a mature man. What, is, what are the results? Verse 14, as a result of this being built up to the full measure of the stature of Christ, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, uh, it's time to grow up. <laughs> That's what Christ is saying here in his word. What Paul is addressing to the Ephesians, he's saying, look, the dividing wall has been torn down through Christ, and we are all included through faith in Christ into the body of Christ, and we're, we're to grow up in the stature of Christ to become like Christ. This testimony of Christ is to be seen in the body of Christ, and we're to continue learning the word of God, growing in this goal resulting in that as a body of believers, as we submit to truth, as we submit to being a part of the body of Christ and growing in the fullness of Christ, guess what? We're not going to be like little children tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. In other words, we're not going to be tricked by this doctrine, that doctrine. We're going to grow and mature in the faith of Jesus Christ that's been handed down through the apostles and the prophets. We're going to become strong. We're going to be firm in our faith. We're going to be able to stand firm in Christ. We're going to be able to endure and persevere and go out into a dark and dying world and present the light of Christ. And so when you get to verse 15 in the body of Christ, we're to speak the truth in what? Love. We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. Again, I'm not the head of this church. This doesn't belong to me. This is Christ's church. Most of Christ, and we are his people. But we are, as born-again believers, brothers and sisters in the faith, we're to speak the truth in what? Love. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together. Uh, now, I really, when you look at the imagery here, you have Christ as the head, and we are in Christ, and everything's being fitted together. Just like a body with ligaments, which means if you're not doing your part, there's a part of the body that's hurting. There's a part of the body that's not being fitted together. If you are refusing to engage in the body of Christ, according to this text, you would be in disagreement with the Apostle Paul. Because look what he says in verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every, every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, through faith, Paul's gospel here that he's presented to the Gentile world, we're included through faith in Christ. Which means you've got an individual part, which is a part of causing the growth of the body for the building. Catch this phrase at the end of verse 16. This is vitally important for today and days ahead. For the 
building up of itself. What is that? The body of Christ. The building up of itself in love. So when we talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, we, um, uh, many of us look at grieving the Holy Spirit and we're concerned about it because we're, we don't want to miss out on a feeling. A feeling. But the grieving of the Holy Spirit that Paul would talk about, if the goal is the building up of the body in love, what would grieve the Holy Spirit? The tearing down of the body of Christ. How do we know that? Well, when you look in verses 24, he says, put on the new self. In verse 25, he tells you all of these things, verse 25 through 32, that deal with grieving the Spirit and the tearing down of the body. I'm not going to read those verses. You can read it later. But these are things that we engage in as individuals when we get mad, we get in our flesh, and we get upset. And what Paul is saying, these are the things that grieve the Holy Spirit and tear down the body. Because the goal of the Spirit in the church and the body is to convict of sin and help minister to the body to build it up, right? Which you're a part of. So, uh, this morning... Uh, there's a couple of things that in this building up the body versus tearing down. Uh, while I was away and while I've been out of the pulpit, thank you, Alan, for filling in. Um, there have been some questions about your pastor's passion. And I, 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 uh, while I was away, I have, uh, you know, sitting up in the mountains of Montana, I reflected on these things and I have at times been guilty of trying to convince you of the urgency to follow Christ. There are times where I've carried a burden and at times not realizing it, um, I think stepped into the role of trying to be the Holy Spirit to convince you of your need to follow the Word of God. Um, there are times, and I've talked to Leslie about that. My wife's here on the front row. If any of you need to ask her questions later, um, don't right now. <laughs> later. <laughs> but uh, through the years, this passion that I'm a very passionate person. I love passionately. I love my Lord passionately. Part of this comes out of uh, through the years as a young child, growing up in a, in a life of seeing uh, sin devastate people. Uh, grew up in, in a, uh, a dysfunctional home for several years. God blessed I saw the ramifications of people submitting to sin. I saw how the pain that sin causes. Um, I told Leslie when I'm preaching, sometimes out of this urgency, out of this passion, I do look angry and frustrated. I, I get that. Um, uh, there's an urgency about me because I don't want to see people experience the results of sin. Uh, so I jump into the Word. Uh, years ago, I had a friend uh, as a young teenager. Uh, we played on the base, same baseball team. He was black. I was white. He was a brother to me. And I watched as um, a school district and division and gang life, street life. We ended up getting separated. We were brothers at heart. Um, that was tough. Um, fast forward years later, um, Leslie and I are married. We're in Abilene. A friend uh, of mine there in Abilene, he and I were helping a, a mutual friend, and we thought we were helping him, and really well, all we did was we bought him a bus ticket and told him to go home, get things right. And a month later, 
He put a gun to his head, and he ended his life. Um, at that point, I told Leslie, if whatever we can do to help people, to help young men and women figure it out with the Word of God and the relationship with Christ, we want to do it. We ended up in New Mexico, and so started in child care ministry, working with at-risk families, and, and it just went on from there. So through the years, 30 years of being in ministry, um, 28 with my wife, I have had an urgency about people submitting to Christ and overcoming sin. Um, I hear people say, we walked through 1 Peter, 2 Peter, we walked through James this spring. I hear people saying all the right things, but I see their actions doing this. And, I, and many of us know that if we, we continue this kind of life, we're going to deal with things down here. So that's where the passion comes from. I don't want people to hurt. And I'm ready for us as a church in our community, black, white, Hispanic, whatever race, I do not care. You need to hear that. It's time for the church to be the church. And so that's where my passion comes from. I thought years ago, why not in Brenham? Why not in Brenham? So please uh, bear with me when I'm passionate. Um, I love the Lord and I love God. Second thing I need to address uh, there have been some concern that out of my passion for the men leading out that I have devalued women in the church and their role. Uh, if you knew my past, if you knew my family, you would think that was ludicrous. I grew up with a, a mother, well, let me back up, a grandmother who fought for her marriage and her family. She had 10 kids. My grandpa was a drunk, was an alcoholic, loved him. He would go on 30-day binges. Uh, he would have an affair. And I, I heard stories later, but I saw my grandmother uh, stand toe-to-toe with my grandpa on a drunken binge and put him in his place until he got sober. I saw her fight for her children. I saw her love for Christ, strong woman of the faith. And when my biological father left when I was one, it was just my mom and me. And Granny, and Granny helped raise me. Uh, Granny took me to church when my mom couldn't take me to church. Sunday school, the vacation Bible school. My mom made sure that I heard the stories of the faith from the Word of God. Uh, my mom poured into me as a single woman. If she did not work, we would have gone hungry. We wouldn't have paid the bills. Been tough. It was tough. My mom married when I was remarried when I was six to a man, many of you know, who uh, just six months later was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Uh, he was unable to work. For 28 years, he suffered with terminal cancer by the grace of God. Guess who worked so that we had food on the table and clothes on our back? My mom. She was the epitome of a Proverbs 31 woman. Um, I look at my wife. I'm telling you, I come from a heritage of women who are fighters, successful in the business world. I've done much. Uh, we were married. Before we were married, she was attacked by a serial killer. He attacked seven women. One survived. She was the one who survived. She's a fighter. Incredible testimony. But today, she serves her mom, her elderly mom and dad, in our home. She's a fighter. No quit in her taught my daughter to be a fighter. 
Type 1 diabetes. Taught her to be passionate, not wait on a man to give her life or fulfill her life. But faith in Christ, she's a fighter. She's passionate. When it comes to women in the church, we have a complementarian view, which means God has created us equally in regards to salvation in human beings, men and women. However, we have distinct and separate roles. That's basically the complementarian view. We see it biblically in Scripture, multiple passages. As a church, that's our stance, okay? Egalitarian view is that men and women are equal not only in salvation, but in the roles that they fill. Thus, you have egalitarian churches that believe women can fill the role of pastor, teacher, to have authority over men. We do not adhere to that view. Now, what happens in the church many times is that as a, a church that takes the complementary view, we have some individuals that are prone to egalitarian views. While we stand complementarian, saying there are distinct roles between men and women, biblically, and we're to fulfill those roles. We have some that say, yeah, 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 I understand, that's the view of the church, but women should be able to do this and this and this. And in some cases, it contradicts Scripture. And I've said as the pastor of this church, we will not be a feminine church that has nothing to do with your role as a woman or a man. It's simply that based out of my past and biblical view of Scripture, I decided to be a part of the solution. I, I could be about encouraging grandmothers, mothers, wives, and daughters. I just gave you a heritage of that, right? But what would be better? What would have been better for me as a son, as a man, to have a man be the biblical example to teach me how to stand for Christ? Now, my, my stepfather had no quit in him. I learned a lot from his silent example. But there were many, many things that he could have taught me that he failed to. So I decided to be a part of the solution. I said, you know what? <laughs> Why not in Brenham? Why not in a church that would call the men out and encourage them to lead? And, I, and I've got statistical support for this. Uh, you look in society all around us. Men are failing to lead in their marriages, in their families, and we're dealing the, the repercussions of that, are we not? So I said, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to encourage men to step up and lead in their marriages and in their homes, in their families, in their communities. Thus, when men fail to do that, when they vacate their role, when they fail to stand for Christ and fight for their families, fight for their marriages, sin will creep in the door. There will be pain and there will be destruction. So when I pound the pulpit, when I get excited, when I get passionate, these are the reasons. Ladies, please hear me. When I am going gangbusters for the men, please hear me. I have entrusted the ministry uh, with women and two women in the church to others. I'm not belittling. I'm not devaluing. I'm just going, guys, let's go. Our, our Lord has called us 
to that kind of life. So I just I needed to express that because there's been a few women that have heard me get excited, who've who've seen me get very passionate about men in the church, and for some reason, and maybe I have done something that I'm not aware of. Maybe I have. I don't know. But when there's three or four or five that are discussing this in the body and not coming to their pastor, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to deal with things. I'm not going to allow the enemy to disrupt what God is doing here. And that's, sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes we just don't understand. And thus, because we're not a business, because I'm not a CEO, because I'm your pastor, the lead pastor here, uh, we have to just address it sometimes. Okay? Now, in the last few minutes, I just want to explain some things, some changes to us. Um, for years, the men in this church, the deacons and elders, they serve passionately. Uh, there are men who wear several hats. Our deacons do many, many things here. And so they broke down um, the, the members of the church into uh, groups of, I think, 25 and the deacons were responsible to minister to those, make sure those 25 are being cared for, shepherded, those kind of things. And uh, deacons are men who are married, they have jobs, they're doing life, and they get busy. And then they're wearing multiple hats in the church. So I said, hey, you know what? Talk to Alan and staff. And, you know, Wednesday night, instead of creating more work, why don't we do this? On Wednesday night, Pastor Alan, why don't you teach for 45 minutes? Uh, we'll have a meal for people to come together and teach for 45 minutes, and we'll break up into groups and have discussion and questions and, and uh, do fellowship life together, care for one another, pray for one another. And so uh, what I did was ask the deacons if, if they were able to be here. So this is not mandatory. Uh, if you can be here on Wednesday night to lead a group, great. I'll let your people know that you'll be here, if you are going to be here. Let them know you'll be here to help lead a group, and that's the time to connect. Now, if you're not a member you're welcome to come just jump in a group. If your deacon's not here on Wednesday night, that's okay. Just come and jump in a group, all right? This is not a legalistic program. Uh, it's just an opportunity for us to gather together and do life together, fellowship. If your deacon is able to lead out, great, in a group, connect with him. If not, jump in anyway. And so I want to say also to our deacons, it was never anything to add to your load, add to your plate, but rather facilitate care for those people that are under you and the church members. So church members, uh, just come join in. If you need to know your deacon, we'll let you know. We'll have that list. But if you're not a member, you're a tender or a guest, just come and jump in, just get in a group. We're just going to do life together, okay? Now also one of the things that I mentioned to the deacons, out of this list of 25 people, it's hard to get to each person, right? What if we do care groups? What if we have groups, and let's say three to five couples on that list would say, hey, I'll be a leader of a care group, and I'll invite uh, three or four couples to our home, and we'll just do life together. No Bible study, just meet, fellowship, have a meal, pray for each other, just do life together to help the deacons in their shepherding of those groups. Now, if there are members, if there are a people in the church, attenders, that you want to be a part of a care group and you want to invite people to your house, you don't have to be a deacon to do that. You don't have to be a member to do that. If you want to just do life with people, just let us know you're going to have a care group and invite three or four families to your house and get after it. See, the moment we make it a program is the moment we start confusing everything. It is doing life together. 
So as we go through the fall, these are some of the things we're going to be working on, developing, uh, just doing life together. Now, I know that I'm a visionary and not a detailed person. And, and so I say things and mix it up. Tina's over here, and she's a detailed person, and she helps, in the, she helps us. And, and she may be going, oh, no, pastor, detail, detail, detail. We're part of the body. We need to be flexible. Uh, every part, every person has a part in this, right? Okay. So we're making changes for us, for us to fulfill Ephesians 4, for us to be one, to be united, okay? And in all of this, we, um, we get selfish, we get mad, we get upset, we have preferences. And so thank the Lord for grace. Amen? Amen. So, um, yes. Thank you. Uh, I wasn't. Thank you. I wasn't. So I appreciate that. But uh, again, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, thank you for that. But I, I'm not putting me in the. This is not about me. Uh, I just want to explain to you, as a body of Christ, where we stand as a church. And and I, if there are any questions, any concerns, uh, please, uh, please make a call. Please come by. Please feel free. Um, I have encouraged people, love me enough, love us enough as pastors, as staff, to uh, let us know. Let us know. Um, so uh, maybe I did venture off into explaining some things personally, but uh, I want you to know that where this sometimes this passion comes from and call on us as a body of believers. So women... March on. Grow as a godly woman. Grow as a godly wife. Grow as a godly mother. How do you do that? Well, the pastors and the teachers of the church are to teach doctrine, sound doctrine. Your husband is to discuss doctrine with you. And the passage in the Bible that talks about the role of women and life in the church, uh, there's no way around it. Titus 2, the older women are to teach the younger women. I will never know what it's like to be a woman, nor do I want to. Now, what do I want women teaching other women? Uh, Oprah? No. Chopra? No. The Word of God. How to, how to, how to put this into practice, Okay. But ultimately, the teaching and the authority comes down through whom? The pastors and the men who are teachers teaching the word. Okay? We'll get into this in First and Second Timothy. All right. Now, for men, you need to know how to be a godly man. You need to know how to be a godly husband. And you need to know how to be a godly father. The older men are to teach that. It's mentoring. Amen? So that's what we focused on when we started the church and what we've moved through as a church. 
now in our 14th year. I will say this, and I'm, I'm, I'm letting some things go, but I will not back down from this being a masculine church. You need to hear me on that. I will not back down from this being a masculine church where men lead and lead well because sin abounds not only in the church but in our community as well, and we must deal with sin. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for our time together. Lord, uh, you alone are the head of the church. You have purchased us with your blood. We have given over all rights. I have said it before, Lord, it is not about our freedom from authority. It is about choosing the right master. We will either be a slave to sin or we will be free from that slavery and become a slave to the king. Uh, and, a, and a land that celebrates democracy, many times we have no idea what it means to submit to the authority of a king. But rest assured, your word does. Your word reveals that. And one day the king is coming. He will not care about democracy. He will not care about our vote. He will not care about our preferences. He will not care about our likes and dislikes. And he will not care, really, whether or not we believe all of his word to be true or not. It is not about our belief, per se. It is about the king and what he decrees and us submitting to his decree as revealed through his word. So, Lord, help us to be a people of truth. Help us to be a people who are not self-centered, ready to have repentant hearts and overcome sin in our lives that we might serve our king more fully, better. Help us to honor the king. Help us to honor you, Lord. Help us to submit to your authority. Your authority is all above. It's above everything. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I prefer to begin doing that now. I prefer now. Help us as a people to begin to bow now. To crucify our selfish desires. To crucify self, the old sinful nature. Help us to surrender us to say yes Lord we need you we need your grace help us to worship you now in this song and if there's a, a need for prayer if there's a need for repentance if there's a need of coming together help us to do it but help us to get focused on living for you Jesus in your name we pray amen thank you